Hello, you're listening to Sarah McCoy, and this is Session 9 of Greatest Stories Under Told, a new weekly podcast series. I've been a Bible teacher at Owasso First Assembly in Owasso, Oklahoma, for over 40 years, and I love the way God's Word shows itself practical to today, time after time. This ninth installment is entitled, The Church Settles a Divisive Dispute which is a very timely subject for us today since we have divisive disputes in politics and also in the church. Acts 15 is the story of the first council at Jerusalem, and it gives us an excellent model to follow so that we can avoid splits when we disagree on things. Beginning with verse 1, Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, You cannot be saved. This occurred during the time when Christianity was a sect of Judaism. It was always possible for anyone, anywhere, to convert to Judaism if they so desired, but they had to agree to follow the Jewish law and the men had to be circumcised. And so before Christianity and Judaism became separate religions, When someone agreed that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah and decided to follow him and ask him to cover their sins with his blood, then according to the thinking of the Jewish Christians of that day, they were actually joining the Jewish faith and they needed to be circumcised. Verse 2, This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Now remember that after Jesus was received back up into heaven after his resurrection, the apostles, right before the coming of the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost, had a business meeting and they decided to replace traitor Judas, who had committed suicide, with Matthias. So there were still 12 disciples and they were called apostles. And they were based in Jerusalem and they were considered the leaders. Verse 5, Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, You know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. He's talking about when he saw the vision of the non-kosher animals coming down from heaven on a sheet and he was instructed by a voice to kill and eat. And he said, no, I have never eaten anything that's unclean. That happened three times and the Lord's message to him was what God has cleansed, don't call unclean. He was then invited by a Gentile to the home of a man named Cornelius, and some people who were eager to hear the gospel heard from Peter, received Jesus, and were filled with the Holy Spirit. So that was the first time Gentiles were converted. 
Now we're in verse 8. God, who knows the heart, showed that He accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as He did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for He purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. Notice he's calling Peter by his proper name, Simon. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written, and now he's going to quote from an Old Testament minor prophet whose name was Amos, chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. James quotes, After this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things, things known from long ago. So did you catch those two important lines that made James quote that verse, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name? James is giving a scriptural precedent for Gentiles coming to the Lord. He goes on, verse 19, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them, and now he's going to list four things that he wants the Gentiles to do if they want to call themselves by the name of Christ. To abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. So four rules, and then he reminds them that the Old Testament news about the God of Abraham had been going out around the world for a very long time because not all the Jews lived in Israel, and wherever they were, they would build a synagogue, and every Saturday they would read from the Word. Verse 22, Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas called Barsabas and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. With them they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. And here are those same four things again. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. Now let me explain these four things just very briefly. Sometimes food was sacrificed to idols 
and then not consumed by fire. So it was taken to the marketplace and sold, and people consumed it. And if a Jew saw a person who was a Gentile eating food like that, they would be very offended. So the leaders reasoned that it would be in the best interest of the unity of the church to ask Gentiles who might normally be buying food like that in the marketplace not to eat that kind of meat. The second thing was to abstain from blood. In other words, because the Old Testament makes a big deal about the life being in the blood and people are not to eat blood, and because that too would be very offensive to Jewish Christians, then it would be best for Gentiles not to eat blood. It also says from the meat of strangled animals, because strangled animals, rather than animals that are killed by having their throat slashed and their blood quickly flowing out, are liable to have more blood in the meat. And there again you get with the issue of the Old Testament law about not eating blood. And finally, from sexual immorality. In other words, keep sex within marriage. Those four things, you will do well to avoid these things. Verse 30, So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessings of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. So this template for us gives us some really good ideas about how we can resolve disputes in the church anytime something comes up where people are threatening to split apart from each other. First of all, God values unity. And we have to remember that if it's possible, not at all costs, because there are times when there are things you really cannot compromise on, but if it is possible, we must protect the unity of the body of believers. In fact, before Jesus went to the cross, in John 17, he prayed a very special prayer. And in that prayer, several times, he specifically asked God the Father that the church would be one. He says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. You go on down to verse 21, and he says it again, that all of them may be one. And then in verse 22, that they may be one. And then in verse 23, may they be brought to complete unity. If that's what Jesus was praying about right before he went to the cross, and if he said it more than once as he poured out his heart to the Father, then how important must it be that we stay together if we possibly can? So the first point of this Jewish council at Jerusalem is that they were trying to preserve unity. They knew that this dispute over whether Gentile men needed to be circumcised when they received Christ was really going to tear them apart if they didn't get it completely resolved. The second thing we can learn from this Jerusalem council in Acts 15 is that there were some key ingredients to the discussion. Discussion was very important. 
and it included multiple voices and people listening to each other and looking at history and then also examining scripture. In the much discussion part, the scriptures tell us that Peter and Barnabas and Paul and James all participated and we know that Others must have been talking as well. So this was not a monologue by one person who was lording it over everyone else. And then in verse 12, we read the whole assembly became silent as they listened. Then you go down to verse 13, and James says, Brothers, listen to me. There's no point in talking if someone is not listening. Because conversation is a two-way street. And so that discussion paved the way for an appropriate decision to be made. And history was taken into account, too. When Peter got up and addressed them, he said, Brothers, you know that God made a choice among you that the Gentiles some time ago might hear from my lips the message of the gospel. In other words, he hearkens back to that time when he went to the home of Cornelius and preached to the Gentiles and They received Christ without converting to Judaism. Then, when James gets up, he brings up Amos 9. Verse 15, the words of the prophets are in agreement with this. As it is written, he goes on. In other words, he takes the scripture that he had carefully studied and knew by heart and remembers a part that specifically mentioned that Gentiles would be called by the Lord's name and quotes it for them. And that pretty well sewed up the argument. Then finally, after the importance of unity and the fact that they had to have a discussion about it, came the decision. And the decision's ingredients included the authority of the people who were doing the deciding, the fact that they compromised, the humility of the leaders, and the fact that they put it in writing. So, authority, it's very interesting that it says, Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders. They knew that Jesus' disciples were appointed to lead after he left, and they respected the older Jewish Christians. And so, instead of just unilaterally making a decision, they wanted it to run by the people who had already had authority vested in them by Jesus. We see that underscored in the part in verse 24 where it says, We've heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. In other words, they felt good about saying the things that you heard before about how new Christians had to follow Jewish law Those were not authorized. Those people didn't consult with us, and we don't agree with them. And then, isn't it interesting that instead of all or nothing, they didn't say, you don't have to ever follow any Jewish laws at all. We don't care who it offends. Nor did they say, you have to follow all the Jewish laws, and the men have to be circumcised if you're going to call yourselves Christians. Instead, They found a middle road that would free the Gentiles from the burden of the Jewish law without their being offensive. So in verse 20, we read, We should write to them telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, 
from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. Four things. It wasn't difficult, and it was thoughtful and respectful of the Jewish Christians. And then there was the humility that went into that decision-making. It was James that said, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult. He didn't say, This is what you're going to do. He told them it was his judgment, and he didn't say, You are going to. He said, We should not. And then in verse 20, he said, Instead, we should write to them. Then, the other interesting thing about this decision is that they put it in writing. They didn't just send Judas and Silas to tell the people what they had decided. They wrote it all down. It says in verse 23, with them they sent the following letter. That's why churches have written creeds and constitutions. The value of this 15th chapter of Acts is that it shows us today what we can do to preserve unity, which is so very important. All of the elements of the discussion and the elements of the decision. So the Council of Jerusalem demonstrates the willingness of apostolic leaders to make compromises on certain secondary issues in order to maintain peace and unity in the church. What a lesson for us today. Let's stay together as much as possible. Let's discuss things and let's make a decision that glorifies God. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, pass it along.